Hey, and welcome to our sermon time today. Um, nope. <clears throat> hey guys, uh, sorry about the Facebook uh, connection on Sunday. For some reason, it was super crackly and couldn't really hear very well. So I'm going to re-record the, the sermon from Sunday. Uh, and it's not going to be an hour like it was on Sunday. So um, I apologize for the technical difficulties, but I did feel that this is an important enough uh, passage for us to, to have in our sermon series. And I want to make sure that we, I make the, the sermon series as complete as possible uh, for, you know, for future archives and stuff. So if you're watching this in like 2032 or something like that, you know, um, but anyway, but so I just uh, wanted to make sure that this sermon series was complete and rounded out. Um, and if you missed the sermon on Sunday, that you can still listen into our sermon today. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, grab your Bible and turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 18, uh, 35. We're going to read 35 through 43 here uh, today, um, whether it's morning or, or night or wherever you are. <laughs> so, um, and if you, if you have a chance, I know it might sound weird, but go ahead and stand, if you will, uh, with me for the reading of God's Word, unless you're driving a truck. Uh, on the road, so just keep your hands on the wheels. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 35 here. Here we go. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front, in front told him to keep quiet. Shush, come down. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see. And he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this text. And God, I thank you for your presence with us, no matter where we are in our lives, uh, in our faith, in, in our, or wherever we're at right now today as we listen to this, God. I just pray right now for your blessing. God, I pray for your anointing on this sermon. That God, that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you want us to uh, receive here today, Lord. I pray for your favor, God, as, as I preach, and that uh, it would be truly honoring to you, Lord. Uh, and all these things we pray in your name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> so people talk about, um, you know, and they kind of mock, right, Christians who have, you know, for having a, you know, blind faith. You know, those, those dumb Christians that need a crutch to get through life, they, they just say, just blindly believe. You don't have to have any reason or logic, just blindly believe. You know, basically what, the, what they're saying is, you know, we don't have enough evidence or proof of our beliefs, but we believe it anyway. We just kind of are suckers who believe anything that people will say. And honestly, sometimes even, I would even say that maybe many believers in the church uh, do indeed think this way. Uh, this thing, you know, like the pastor said it, that I believe it, that settles it. Or, you know, the Bible says it, that I believe it, that settles it. And not really understanding what they believe or why they're believing something. And so it's just like this blind faith is like the not, basically the, the, it's saying you don't have understanding of why you believe or have authority or have justification to believe a certain thing, but you just believe it anyway because someone told you. 
Um, or some ancient book tells you, right? We, we want to say, you know, see, see these things, um, um, basically seeing um, through the eyes of, of what does it mean to, to believe, to have faith. Um, and this whole concept of, of believing in something without any evidence or, or proof of our beliefs, but believing it anyway, that, that's actually kind of uh, not even true at all. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, not even kind of, like it's very much not true at all. We do have plenty of evidence for our faith. So let's look at some of these, like evidence for the Bible itself specifically. Um, I would even say that the Bible is the most trustworthy book in all of existence. Um, now, it's interesting because you know, I've heard a lot of criticisms of the Bible in that like, oh, it's just been translated so much down the years that we can't even trust the English translation you know, that we have. But, I, but here, just a, little, a little aside, a little, here's a little bit for free, um, that the Bible was not this, is not this book that has been like, you know, passed down and gone through different translations. And so this is like a translation of 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 a translation and so on and so on and so forth. Basically, what tr- biblical translation to nowadays is, just kind of to, um, to, to articulate a little bit. So the, the, the goal of modern day uh, biblical translation, really the goal of all translation since the beginning of translations, is to get to the earliest and most trustworthy manuscripts and collections of scripture in the original languages that we have and go with those and translate those from the original languages into our modern day vernacular syntax and grammar. And that has been the desire of biblical translators over the years. So it's not that, you know, it's gone through like, you know, a bunch of different translations before we get this English translation that we have today. It's that the translations that we have today, uh, specifically, and that's why I use the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, because this translation is one of a few that doesn't even address an earlier English translation. So like even like translations like the ESV, the English Standard Version. So they even take biblical translation, you know, the biblical translation of the Revised Standard Edition Version, which was a, a translation from the original languages. But they basically, ESV just took the RSV and updated it with, you know, up, basically updated the translation. Uh, so they started with the RSV and then went and addressed the original languages to make corrections. Anyway, so the CSB goes all the way back to the original languages, the most trustworthy that we have as of today, and, and tries to take the most trustworthy manuscripts and fragments that we have and go directly, bring it directly into our context today um, and try to bring it into uh, our, our English vernacular, our English grammar, our English syntax so we can better understand what the original authors were intending. So, um, just a little bit of aside for biblical translations. Um, and so, uh, then we have like historical documents. We have historical documents, biblical and extra-biblical, uh, things, that, you know, the ch- you know our church documents, but also documentation that's outside of the church um, that, that proves and gives credence to the the gives credence to the existence and the truth of what the Bible is talking about. Um, like specifically, there is a, uh, so we'll talk about more of this about this too, but so many different historical sites and archaeology as well, like different, different sites that were in biblical times, places that, you, uh, that talk, the Bible talks about that you can go to and touch today, put your hands on today. You can walk where Jesus watched and walk where Jesus walked. Um, you can go and touch things that, de- that Jesus touched um, you can be, and, and that's what I loved about my trip to Israel back in 2011, 
uh, 11 years ago was the fact that we were able to, they, they, brought, they advertised it as walking where Jesus walked, walking in the steps of Jesus. And that's what we can do. Like we can literally walk in the places and walk on stone and place where Jesus's feet actually stood um, today. Um, but there's, there's uh, speaking of archaeological and historical documentation, so specifically about Old Testament, there's a giant rock in this, this town called Bet-Shan, and it, it, it's a, a stone, so it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, the actual stone itself is somewhere in a museum, but they put, they made a replica of it, and this stone was one that Tetmus III had made, that it's this long, you know, it's written out, you know, type thing, it got words all over it, um, it's a, basically a historical document for the ancient pharaohs, ancient Egyptians, that records um, the actual existence of Israel, where they said they were at the, at the, at the time in which it said that they were there. And so even just like historical documents that affirm what the things that the, the histor- historical dates and places that the Bible talks about. And so it gives credence to its other, um, other things like uh, when it says that God created, you know, caused 10 plagues, these miraculous signs that we can see and affirmed by the physical archaeology. Uh, another little freebie, Jericho, which the Bible talks about, and the Bible says the walls fell in. Um, so there's, there's archaeology that's been done in Jericho, and that they can see whenever a, a city is, is redone, oftentimes the walls may be redone, the people who are living in the walls, because the walls are made up of, of houses, kind of like these apartment complexes that are making up the walls, so they would push the walls out and rebuild them, and push them out and then rebuild. But there's one layer down around the time, archaeologically, um, around the time when when Jerusalem, when, sorry, when Israel came into the Promised Land, that all the walls there's a layer that that proves that they fell in. So again, proving a history, through archaeology, through physical scientific observation, that there is truth to the credence that the Israel was walking around the city of of Jericho, and then yelled, and then the walls fell in, and they came in and destroyed everything, took over. So it because it it records the physical scientific. Um, things that the Bible speaks about, we can actually attribute what it poses as the, as the supernatural um, way and method by which God used to create, to, to cause different things in the Bible to happen. So there are historical, you know, historical documents, historical documentation, um, archaeological evidence, um, the most reliable book in all of existence, and for several other reasons as well. I mean, it's a whole other, whole other sermon, um, but. Also, just think about the logical evidences for our faith, our reasons and, and logic for our faith. There is no, if there was no evidence for Christianity, all the things that it posed, and even specifically the New Testament and Jesus, you know, dying and raising from the dead, all the miracles that, that are recorded in our gospel that we've been reading through the, with the book of Luke, uh, then how did an, an entire world power empire that was the world power you know, the roman empire in that time during that time that had been persecuting christians and putting them down and lifting their own paganism up like how did that empire become consumed by this this faith and be actually established christianity as the religion of it and even change um to fit christianity now, Constantine wasn't great. I mean, there's a, that's another series of sermons right there. But he's a good source of evidence for the impact the truth of Jesus had on the world. 
that they believed that it was true, and that was that was th- within 300 years of Jesus's life, and so they believed more firmly um, that they completely changed the entire empire itself and changed time itself. The reason why we write 2022 on our documents was because the world nation, the world empire, imagine like a, a nation like like China coming and establishing Christianity, the, the religion that they've been persecuting and oppressing for generations, you know, at least for, for decades, you know, within this world, within our, within our history, to now become a Christian nation, right? That's exactly what happened in the Roman Empire. So there's got to be credence. There had to have been credence and truth and tangible evidence to the faith of Christianity, even for the Roman, the Roman emperor, the Caesar at that time, in order to shift the entire culture of their nation away from paganism and establishing Christianity as the nation's religion. Um, now, what, what was the, the main thing that, that spurred this on, that put this forward? You know, in their culture, the number one source of evidence wasn't written materials. It was actually eyewitnesses. And so there were eyewitnesses to the faith of Jesus. That, and these eyewitness statements were passed down from disciple to, to disciple to disciple. And verbal evidence, verbal testimony was worth more than written testimony in the Roman Empire. Um, so it'd be like for us, if we just had like a slew of written evidence, which we do have, um, that gives us credence, that gives us evidence. And that is what our faith is residing on. It's not this like blind faith. It is evidence. It is factual. It is logical. It is reasonable um, based upon evidence and things like that. But we, that's, this is not where our faith comes from. You know, the, our faith comes from believing. Our faith comes from grace that has been given to us by God. Because even in our Western world today, that is such an enlightenment culture, is that we still, you know, if, if these incredible miracles and, and eyewitness testimonies and all the historical, archaeological evidence that we do have, it still is not enough to change people's minds, even though it is slapping them in the face. Um, and so that's, so that's why in our, in our culture today, there is this, if you see it, if you experience it, you know, like being able to watch videos of people being healed, there's automatically in the intellectual Western enlightenment mind, a doubt. Oh, they're probably, they're probably pretending, right? But in, the, in their culture, like to say, you know, these people knew these beggars. And so when, when, as we get into our passage here today, we, we are observing this blind beggar who turns into a faithful witness, right? Uh, we, we, that this man becomes an eyewitness, which we'll talk about a little, little bit later, but from a blind beggar to faithful witness. Talk about faith. As we get into our thoughts about faith, what does it mean to, we, you know, that we, lo- we don't live in a world with truly blind faith? We are, if we are going to devote our lives to something or someone, there's always a reason. Uh, one in which we are willing to give up everything that we've understood and done before and to follow this new way, this new uh, per- this person, right? And so what does it look like to go from, you know, this, this man from faithfully blind to faithful witness? And how do we go from being faithfully blind to being a faithful witness, so let's look, at, let's look at blind Bartimaeus here. So the reason why we know his name is Bartimaeus is because it's recorded in Mark chapter 
10. Now, it, th- this, this passage is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, for us. And, you know, Matthew says it's like two people, you know, two men that were healed. Um, Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark has it just as one, and that's where we get the name Bartimaeus. And then here in Luke, we just get the one man, but we, he's not named in our passage here today. But they're the same story. And so when, you know, we think about like, okay, why did Luke and Mark not include the second guy who was healed? Well, maybe Bartimaeus was the one that followed and the other guy was not. Maybe the other guy stayed in Jericho and went about his business. But Bartimaeus, like, yeah, because you have to remember, when, when, when Luke was writing this, when Matthew was writing it, uh, his gospel, when Mark was writing his gospel, the church was already established. Jesus had ascended. They weren't writing this, you know, as, as things were happening. These things were written decades after Jesus rose from the dead. So this is being, these gospels are being written to a specific culture with, with a church that's already been established. And so Bartimaeus, you know, with, with John Mark, uh, who wrote the book of Mark, which is Peter's testimony, um, because John Mark followed Peter, uh, that, that uh, the story about Bartimaeus, that maybe Bartimaeus was someone that had gone and become a part, an, a well-established member of the church. Maybe he had gone with Peter and John Mark up to Antioch. And so he was well-known, like in Rome and in these different regions, that Bartimaeus was known because he kept talking about his testimony. Because what is Bartimaeus going to do after this? He's going to continually tell his testimony. He's going to continually tell his story. You know, that's one of the, the most beautiful things that I love seeing in, in, with people who have come to faith, especially later in life, is that they are just, they have a story that, that is so meaningful and powerful to them, you know, that you know, you know, I was this way until I was like 30s or 40s, and I had this radical transformation. You know, Bartimaeus, you know, could have been somewhere you know, around, you know, older man. We don't really know how old he is, but maybe he had been blind for, for years. We have no idea how long he had been there. Um, because he had gotten so used to being, you know, to being a beggar, right? And so you know, into his life, he was constantly telling the story. You won't believe it. I was blind for, you know, 10 years. I don't know, 10, 5, 10, doesn't really matter. Like 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And Jesus healed me. And then this same Jesus, I followed him in Jerusalem and he died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead. And he can do the same for you. He can bring you to life. He can make you see. You can, he can heal you, right? Because I was there. I'm a walking testimony of the glories of God. Um, and so that's, this is probably why we, why, why, why we know his name. Because Luke was writing his, or Mark was writing his name to a church that probably knew him. Um, so this is his testimony written down. And again, remembering Luke, where did he get this account? By going and talking to these eyewitnesses. So Mark, I'm sorry, so Luke uh, maybe got his cue from Mark and got the name and went and talked to Bartimaeus about the testimony of Jesus and, and got all these words from him directly. Um, so Bartimaeus, let's talk a little more about Bartimaeus. Um, he had become you know, really adept and unashamed um, to, you know, to begging, right? He had gotten used to it. Um, but, you know, why, so why did, so, but so it's like this, so why did Bartimaeus cry out for mercy? You know, think about it, he, he's, he's at this point where he's constantly saying, money, asking for money, asking for food, asking for help. Um, but why does he cry out for mercy? His, his heart was stirred when he found out who was, you know, who was coming. Um, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Uh, versus like, you know, if Herod had been coming, maybe he would have cried out for money more, more loudly. You know, help, give me money, give me money. Right. Um, but he, when he found out that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming, Jesus Christ, he yelled out, Jesus, son of David, have 
mercy on me. He believed that Jesus could heal, could heal him. Um, So maybe this could have been from testimony, maybe of the guy that was healed during the, the festival of Sukkot. Uh, in the middle of Sukkot, you know, the, the man who was born blind, and maybe word of it had spread. Maybe that guy who had been born blind, you know, was a visitor from Jericho. We don't know. But the word about Jesus and what and the healings that he was doing were spreading throughout the entire empire. So there's good reason to believe that, that Bartimaeus had heard the testimony from someone else about Jesus' healing. Um, but it's interesting that he cried out something interesting. You know, and this is probably the, why, the reason why he believed that Jesus could and would heal him. He cried out this, son of David, son of David. Now, this word son of David is a messianic title, you know, being ascribed to the Messiah in their culture. Son of David is, I believe, you know, by Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus saying this, he's saying, Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah, who has come to save the world, have mercy on me, the one who is to come, the anointed one of God. And really, this is, you know, we just celebrated Palm Sunday this last Sunday, which is our, our, our gathering. And this is basically what, what Palm Sunday is all about. You know, they were, it was, it was recognizing and welcoming the one sent by and who is himself, God. You know, they were saying, Hosanna, you know, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, which is basically like, is basically, it's a word saying, come and save. It's, it's a plea, you know, come and deliver, come and save, come and wash us, you know, come and be our savior. That's what Hosanna means, come and save, you know, to the one who, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We believe that you are bringing God's kingdom here. And so this blind, you know, blind Bartimaeus was believing that Jesus was the one who is Hosanna, the one who is the one who came to, to deliver, pe- deliver them from sin, to deliver people from sin, who is the Messiah, to deliver his people. Um, but it's interesting that, that Jesus, so uh, this whole inter- interchange with, with, the, with the disciples, like, have, have mercy on me, and the disciples are like, shh. Um, we don't know why they do this. Maybe, you know, maybe because they don't, they, you know, they don't quite yet understand. They don't quite believe Jesus's purpose um, to say to seek and to save those who are lost, which we'll get get to this coming week uh, for Resurrection Sunday. But it, it's, it's that Jesus said, "No, no, no, bring him here, bring him, so that you will know what's going on." Um, and maybe that one of the reasons why Jesus kept going was because he wanted this man to cry out more and more to to show his passion to show his desire to get everyone's attention uh, on on him or at least to get Jesus's attention on him right well here's the question so Jesus asked the question what do you want me to do for you uh, what do you want me to do for you Jesus asked Bartimaeus this this question not because Jesus didn't know what this guy would have wanted I mean it seems kind of obvious you know he's like Jesus have mercy on me Jesus is over here and he's like looking over here all right He's like, okay, this, probably, this guy's probably blind. You know, but <laughs> it's the, he, he wasn't confused about what this guy wanted, about, but he, he, wanted this, he wanted Bartimaeus to articulate what mercy he was seeking. What is it that Jesus is desiring to, to pull out of this man? What is the faith 
testimony that, this, that Jesus is wanting to pull out of this man to pinpoint these things. Um, he wanted the man to speak it, to reveal his faith, to articulate for all to hear exactly what was happening. So the guy in the back that may not, may not have known this guy, so the guy in the back would have known what is happening. Like, oh, okay, cool. Jesus just stopped and, and lifted someone up. Cool, all right, let's, let's keep going. Versus like, what do you want to do? I want to see. Oh, the guy's blind. We'll see then. I can see. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, to, for the crowd and everyone to get what's happening, right? There's something about voicing our prayer requests, you know, to God. I have this specifically, you know, going on, you know, that I would like to, you to pray for or that I'm praying for myself. Uh, in, our own, in our own prayers, like be specific, be direct to the point. Your prayers don't have to be like this like long, drawn out, dramatic, ethereal, or even poetic itself. Like it doesn't have to be, oh, thee, thy, thy father, oh, Lord God, my father, oh, beloved Savior. You know, it doesn't, they don't have to be like this, like King James Version only prayers, right? You know, thee, thou, thy, you know, you know like this have to articulate these, these things poetically and you know, out of this like sense of this weird, with this weird sense of misplaced reverence. You know, reverence is simply respect for God. And by hiding your true intentions, by concealing your heart, you're actually not being reverent to the Lord. So even in our prayers, being authentic, being real, be like, God, I am in a terrible situation. I don't know what's going on. This is hurt. This hurts. I don't know what you're doing. God can, ha- God can handle your frustrations, your confusion, your frustrations, your pain, your suffering. God can handle it. He wants it. He wants you to be real with him. He wants you to be authentic. He wants you to be open. He wants you to be direct. He wants you to be specific. Name what you are feeling. Name what you are believing. Name what you want. <laughs> Name it. You, be specific when you're worshiping him. Be like, Jesus, you are the prince of peace. You are the leader of my life to show me what peace is all about, to show me what truth is all about. Man, I, I feel like all these things in my life, you know, these, these articles and, these, and my friends, my family even, are, are, have so much that they're just berating me with, like in, intellectually and philosophically. I feel overwhelmed with all these different you know, plausible philosophies out there. God, give me your truth. Give me your clarity. Like, be specific with your prayers because it also helps you to understand what's going on in your own mind, in your own heart. And let God give, give um, that that clarity to it. They need to be, prayers need to be from your heart. Um, and then, you know, the majority, and so I would say, you know, in, articulating to God his glory, you worship him, not just asking for stuff, him for stuff, but then when you, you know, then ask him for things, right? But it's not that we don't ask him for things, it's that we are very specific. But they don't, again, they don't have to be long and drawn out in many words. Like pray, Worship the Lord, and then and give him you know, give him your intercessions and your petitions, and then sit. Be still. Listen. I would say the majority of our prayer time is just simply spending time listening to the Lord, waiting on the Lord for Him to stir, for Him to speak, and then journal it down, write it down, or just simply sit in it. Sit with the Lord in His presence, which we'll get to here in a second. But. And here's, here's Jesus' response to this man's plea. 
your faith, your elite, you know, this is my, my thought process when I'm going through this. So this is kind of the Alan, you know, Alan's version of the Amplified. Your faith, you know, slash allegiance, devotion, understanding that you've placed in me, that you believe that I was the one who could, would, and should, this belief, this allegiance, this understanding has healed, delivered, saved, has restored you. The place. And then this is what Jesus did. He said this statement to him, well, simplified, and he healed him. And he could could see, right? It's ironic that a blind man was seen clearer than the religious or even the disciples in this moment. The disciples were still learning the mission of God to reconcile, to seek and to save those who are lost, to bring healing to the blind and the deaf and the sick and the lame, right? But Bartimaeus could see clearly. Bartimaeus believed Jesus could heal him and should. Here's something I want to focus on here as well. He was the only one that should heal him. Now, little little aside, just this is like the footnote, there's the asterisk in, in our sermon here today. Footnote, I'm, I'm, what I'm not saying, what I, and so I, do, I want you to hear my heart, hear, hear what I'm trying to say. I am not saying that we should not go to the hospitals, to doctors, and get man's physical healing, go to counseling, go to, you know, have, you know taking uh, supplements or whatever it is. I am not saying that. You know, that there is a place for hospitals, there's a place for doctors, there's a place for clinics, there's a place for medication. I'm not saying we should cut these things out of our lives. Um, what, I'm, what I want you to hear me is saying is that where, this, where Bartimaeus was, let's come back here. So Bartimaeus believed that Jesus could and should be the only one in his life to heal him. Because what did they do in that culture? And what is, a lot of times, in our culture as well, they go to weird spiritual places. They go to the shamans and the priests and the, and the high places, the pagans. Um, he didn't go to these different places in their culture. He didn't go to the occult. He didn't go to the to the or, you know to the the Sumerian religion. He didn't go to the Egyptian religion. He didn't go to the Greek religion. He didn't go to the Roman pantheon. He didn't go to Diana. He didn't go to Artemis. He didn't go to Aphrodite in Corinth. He didn't go to Zeus. He didn't go to Betshan to worship because they had these pagan gods in the, Dia- in, the uh, in the Decapolis, the ten cities, and in Betshan and different cities that were Greek and Roman that were in Israel, in and around Israel. He didn't go to them for his healing. He went to Jesus. The only one, spiritually, who should heal him. Bartimaeus' faith, not just Bartimaeus himself, you know, physically, was in the right place at the right time, and he got his healing in the right way. Believe that Jesus, you know, the Messiah, he went to Jesus, the Messiah, the, the powerful one, the, the merciful one. He believed that Jesus would have mercy on him and would heal him because he believed in the character and the nature of Yahweh expressed through Yeshua HaMashiach, you know, the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. That he was the, the walking, living character of God in their midst. Um, he was already, you know, this, you know, Bartimaeus was a part of Israel. He was an Israelite. He was a child of God, a man of God. And he knew that he needed more and that Jesus was the merciful and capable God if he was willing, if he was willing to give. 
and, and to have mercy. You know, like I said, our faith itself doesn't grow. Our, our faith, our allegiance, devotion, understanding, maybe understanding, but specifically faith, allegiance, devotion, that that's given, it, it doesn't really necessarily grow. What does grow is our vision, our view of the one in whom our faith resides in. That, our, our vision of God grows. Our vision of Jesus grows. So as it feels like our faith is growing and, and it feels like our faith is getting stronger, it's simply because we are seeing and believing more of who God is and who He says He is. So how do we learn these things? How do, how do we understand what, what's going on here with healing? So, I mean, is it healing still for us today? Because there are, there, there is suffering today. There's hurt today. There is disease today and brokenness, blindness today. There are miscarriages today. There are suffering. There's suffering today. There's car accidents. People getting injured today. People who who you know, did drugs and, and meth and alcohol and abused their body and pain today because of the of the, of the of the the consequences of what they have been engaging for so many years. There's pain and suffering today. So what is God's heart for healing? What is God's heart for relationship in the midst of physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, mental, all-encompassing all suffering in our world. Well, three things that God may give you when you ask for healing. First, He'll heal you. He'll give you healing. There are, there are inst- there's instance after instance after, after instance that I can point to that, you know, that God still heals today. Like a, a, a close friend of mine went to a, a, a rally, a, you know, worship rally, and they were like, you know, put, you know, if, if they're, you know, I want you to lay hands on each other, and if they, you know, say for instance, like someone's someone's deaf, I want you to put your fingers in their ears. So my my good friend, he grabbed his fingers and sh- he was he looked at the guy, he's like, eh, he's like, eh, good. So he put his fingers in his ear, and then he he prayed. They prayed over him, took his fingers out, and he's like, I can hear, I I can hear. The man was healed. Healing still happens today. Don't you dare say it, it doesn't. Healing happens today. God still, he, still heals today. So he might give you that healing right there. He might give you healing, but if he doesn't give you healing, he'll give you understanding. He might give you understanding, right? He'll give you understanding of what's going on. Now, this may not be right away because remember, God still, still you know, whether, whether God heals he gives understanding because he can and he still does. There's not like maybe not right away. Maybe it takes, you know, a season or, or, or months or even years, decades even, to maybe come to grips with maybe understanding what God was doing or what God was starting by a trauma or, or suffering that, that was that happened to you. Not that God is the one that caused it, but that God and or not, not even that God allowed it, because I think it's it's basically in people's minds it becomes the same thing. Well, God could have stopped this, but he didn't. So he allowed it, therefore he caused it, right? This, this wrestling with, if God is good, then he wouldn't have let anything happen to me. He would just let me live in holistic lifestyle and, and wholeness, and he never would have let a trauma or drama or suffering happen to me. But that's, a, that's we live in a broken world, you guys. We live in a world of suffering. We live in a world where we, we make stupid choices. Other people make stupid choices, 
the human body is broken. There are de- there's demonic presence. There is oppression around us. There is brokenness. You know, there, we, we, we're, you know, we're eating and drinking chemicals. You know, there's bound to be things that affect the human body negatively. And we suffer. Um, car accidents on the freeway, drug use, uh, miscarriages, uh, all these different things. There are things in our lives because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken and sinful world. And not just, you know, that, that things happen to you because of sin, but maybe just things happen to you or, or your loved ones because of just the brokenness of the world. We live in a broken world. But we can maybe see later that it wasn't, what happened wasn't good, but what God used it to, to produce in our lives became good. The thing never became good in and of itself. Death, pain, destruction, suffering is never good in and of itself, but God can use anything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so he loves to use bad things, but he doesn't love to do bad things or to allow bad things, you know, overtly omit, you know, the, the sins of omission, the, the evil of, you know, God in omission. Um, it's that he will use bad things to cultivate good. Um, now, if we don't get the healing and maybe we never even get understanding. Maybe we never truly understand why something happened or is happening to us. Jesus will always give us his presence. And his presence is always good enough. His presence will always be enough for us. Whether God heals, he always gives his presence because he has and because he always will. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you until the very end of the age. If I will be with you with my spirit. I've given you my spirit. I've poured out my spirit. You have my Holy Spirit. Talk to me. Spend time with me. Spend time in my presence. Go and, pr- and sit in your prayer closet or, pr- or pray at the kitchen table. Open up your Bible, read, and then shut up and listen. <laughs> Silence your, your thoughts. Silence your inner critic. Silence your inner uh, skeptic that has been trained by the skeptics of the world to doubt the goodness of God, the presence of God. We cry out for healing. We, we press into the presence of the Lord. Like I said, not just simply physical healing. But we press in for transformation, for physical, emotional, uh, mental, and spiritual healing. This is where we see Bar- Bartimaeus. He's pressing in. He's asking for, what? The presence of Jesus so that he can experience the mercy of Jesus. Bartimaeus' cry for mercy was a cry for Jesus to draw near. When we are, are the most blinded by life, we're most blinded and, 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 and just surrounded by the world and its values, by pain, it ought to lead us to cry out for mercy, to cry out for Jesus. Draw near, Lord. I need you to draw near. I pray that you'd heal me, Lord, that you'd take this pain away. But not my will, but yours be done. Just give me you. I know that you'll be with me. That's how Jesus was able to suffer on the cross, which we're, gonna be, which we're talking about this week with Good Friday, right? We, we, we celebrate, we remember Jesus' cross, you know, Jesus' cross, Jesus' uh, crucifixion, in that he prayed in the garden, Father, 
take this cup from me. Take this suffering away from me. Don't let me go through this suffering. Don't make me go through this. Not once did Jesus question or doubt, I wouldn't say question, but doubt the Father's goodness, the Father's love, the Father's presence. He knew that the Father was always with him, that the Father would be with him through the suffering, through the scourging, through the trials, through the unjust trials, through the suffering, through the pain of the cross, and through even dying itself, death itself. Jesus knew that the Father would be there. Jesus knew that the Father would be there. So we pray, we, we, we put our hearts out there, knowing that God is good, knowing that God is all-powerful, and that we simply want His presence, whether He gives us healing or understanding, we know that He will give us His presence, which may give understanding. May we, have, we get the healing because of His presence. We'll never get healing without His presence right? We'll never get understanding without the presence of God. You know, we may get understanding without, you know, during the healing. We might get healed and not understand how or why, right? But we always get healing and understanding through the presence of God. Whether or not we get healing or, and whether or not we get understanding, we will always get God's presence, and God's presence is good enough. It, it overshadows everything, all the pain, all the, the suffering, just spending time curling up in the, the lap of your daddy, Abba, right, as the, as the Bible talks about it, because he loves you. Uh, to, to, sh- to change our minds, to wrap our minds around what God is doing in our lives, uh, and so when in the midst of our suffering we cry out for for his presence we cry out for healing and what did God do? Bartimaeus followed him Bartimaeus followed Jesus he dropped everything in his life which again which is probably the reason why we know his name so Bartimaeus followed him because Bartimaeus devoted and entrusted his healing to God himself, he was healed and he gave glory to God. He was, it wasn't like, be like, hey, I had enough faith, guys. Look at me, I'm healed. I, fa- I healed myself by having enough faith in God. No, he glorified God for his mercy on him. So if we get the healing, great. If we get the understanding, great. If we get his presence, great. Whatever we get, we glorify God, praising him. Essentially, compare this guy, compare Bartimaeus to the rich ruler that we talked about last week, uh, who, at the very thought of inconvenience, walked away from Jesus. Bartimaeus here dropped everything he had, which, of course, you know, probably was not much, but he followed Jesus. The blind man became an eyewitness. I love that. The blind man who couldn't see became an eyewitness. Bartimaeus got to see Jesus. He got to see all the amazing things ahead. All of the things that the rich ruler would would miss out on. The transformation of Zacchaeus in in Jericho. The, The resurrection of Lazarus. 
Palm Sunday. He got to be there in person, you know, waving a, a palm branch or you know, putting his cloaks on. Maybe he went with the disciples to find the donkey. We don't know. You know he came and he got to worship and to yell out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He got to walk with Jesus and see and hear everything going on. He got to listen to and be present for the teaching in the temple. He got to be present and watch Jesus celebrate the Passover. Because remember, all the disciples, about 120 at this point, were up in the upper room with Jesus celebrating Passover, observing Passover, which we're going to be celebrating this Friday. Because it's kind of cool. Passover is on the same day as Good Friday this year. He got to, he, he got to, you know, he, he watched and he saw, maybe from a distance, he saw the crucifixion of Jesus. He saw the suffering of Jesus. He was in, he was in the upper room with the disciples as they, were, as they were hiding from the Jews, from the Jewish leaders. He was there. He got to see the fear on the disciples' faces. He got to see and experience the weeping of the disciples as they wept over their crucified Savior. But, again, my two favorite words of all Scripture, what? But God rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead, and Bartimaeus got to see Jesus raised from the dead. He got to witness and, and touch and feel and sense. He, he got to be there uh, and when he watched Jesus, you know, ascend like a balloon into the sky, like, uh, wow, I've never seen that before. He got to see it, his different appearances. Like he got to see the, the, the ascension, but also then he got to go back into Jerusalem and he got to be there and see the flames of fire, the tongues of fire come and reside and rest and, and engulf the disciples in flame, in the spiritual flame, Right? He got to see what was going on at, at Pentecost. He got to see the 3,000 people be baptized and then the subsequent 2,000 later, that later afternoon. He got to see them being baptized. In, in fact, he may have been, even been, been able to be the, one of the guys who got to baptize people. Be like, I baptize you now as my brother in this Jesus Christ who made me see. You know, you know Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, he got to see and experience fully all these things. And then he got to see and be a part of the explosion of the church, seeing miracles happen through the apostles, seeing the signs and wonders, seeing the stories, the Bibles, you know, the, the, the Bible readings, the stories, the, uh, the proclamations of God. He got to see what the Holy Spirit was doing because he received mercy from the presence of God. He trusted in Jesus. He went from being a blind, from being faithfully blind. Remember, he had faith in Jesus that he could heal him. He was faithfully blind to a faithful witness. He, God loves to transform people's lives. Jesus loves to bring people and show them his mercy. He loves to bring people to the understanding of who he is, but also their true identity in Christ, which is why I love this passage in Ephesians. I guess the computer died. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2 says, 
But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the, in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kingdom, I'm sorry, through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> what he's saying is, we were blind. More than that, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead. And we cried out to the Lord. God opened our eyes. He, he came near. He gave us His grace so that we could have faith and cry out to Him. We cry out to God and He will heal us, make us alive. And, and here it is. Don't, don't miss this. And seated us with Him in the heavens. We are seated with Christ right now in the heavenly realm. You are seated with Christ if you are a believer in Jesus. If you're not a believer in Jesus, he wants to do that. He wants to make you alive. He wants to give you his grace. He wants to give you faith. He wants to give you mercy, right? Rich in mercy because of the great love. Who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us. He wants to make you alive in Christ. That is the goodies of the gospel. And seat you with him in glory in his kingdom. That is what God desires. You hear nothing else in this passage. He wants to give you his mercy by giving you his presence and seating you with him in his kingdom today to, to show you his goodness, to change your, your very identity. This is the gospel. And it causes everything to be different. It shifts even the way that you see the world. Right? I had a conversation, you know, go and check out my coffee with Alan from, from this week. Um, you'll, you'll see a conversation with, with Mindy, right? Coffee with Alan and with Mindy. Uh, coffee with Mindy, we'll call it. <laughs> um, is that, yeah, and she even said that when she came to faith in Jesus, she couldn't explain it. Just everything looks different now. Like even just appears, like physically looks different because of now the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in her life. Because God wants to bring us from faithfully blind to a faithful witness. God wants to seat you in the heavenly realms, to glorify himself through your life as you follow him. As you It is God's glory to give you mercy. It's God's glory to give you his presence because it is you that come and you are the fruit of his goodness. You are the result of his mercy poured out and, and put on display for all the world to see. So like that passage said, what? He says, so that in the coming ages he might display, you are a display, the immeasurable riches what, of, his grace, of his grace through his So that you can see.
Lord, for your word that it is ever changing it is in our lives, Lord, it's growing, that you are growing, that our vision of you is growing, that your word is real, never change. that our depth, the depth of our knowledge in it, Lord, the depth of our experience in it um, grows. Our image, our, our perspective and perception of you, Lord, in the scripture grows and flourishes. And God, I just, we just, we, it's almost like coming from blindness to seeing Every time we, we dig into the scripture, Lord, you reveal things to us, Lord, every time we come near, every time we draw near. So God, I pray that you would draw us near, that we would draw near to you, uh, that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you, Lord, that we would just sit and be able to sit in your presence, be in your presence, glorify you in your presence. Um, and God, to, to come together as the church, to experience your presence together in relationship and community. You are found in your in your word, you are found in, in the closet, you are found in, in, in the mountain, you are found in the world, wherever you are. Lord, give us a heart to love and serve one another and show one another to encourage each, each one of our faith. Lord, that we would show up for one another and Lord, so and, and so see you working through us um, with others in this world and in your church. That God, we would be just image bearers of your grace and your goodness in this world. Because of your, because of your grace. God, we love you and we praise you. God, we pray your blessing on, on our church, God, on your church. Um, Lord, your blessing in our lives. And, uh, Lord, just as we go about our weeks, Lord, that you would show us that you'd want, you desire to draw me in your presence. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you guys next week.